and drama um, and the Word, and, and it's going to be on the topic of deliverance. So I hope you will come out next week. It'll be a great Sunday to invite a friend to come. Uh, that's next Sunday, both services, wonderful, wonderful service. Winter Jam 2013 is just around the corner. Go, ben, go ahead and start scrolling those announcements for me, buddy. Winter Jam 2013 is just around the corner. Um, two weeks from yesterday, Saturday, March 23rd, Jim Koontz is in charge of this event this year, and it's basically $10 a person, and you, you pay the ticket at the door. You don't have to have any advance purchase. We have chartered a bus. I think it holds something like 50, 55 people. We would love to see this be a family event. If you like Christian music, this would be a great event. Now, um, when I say Christian music, and this is no offense to anyone, I'm not really talking about the Gaithers necessarily. I'm talking more about uh, maybe Third Day, Toby Mac. But uh, it will be a great, great evening. That is uh, a week from this Saturday, two weeks from yesterday. I wanted to let you know what's happening with Easter week services at First Christian Church. Easter is very early this year, March 31st, three weeks from today, and we have several special services taking place. Thursday night, March 28th, we are having a Last Supper service. That is the night that the Lord instituted the Last Supper, and come out that night at 7 o'clock for a very, very special, memorable service as we focus on, on the Last Supper. Friday at noon, we started this last year, we're having a First Christian Church Good Friday service. It's not a long service, but I hope you'll come. How many of you went to that last year, the noon service on Good Friday? I know several of you did. Very meaningful. Would love to have you come out Friday evening for the CAMA Good Friday service, this year hosted by the Nazarene Church, and then Resurrection Sunday morning, March 31st, 8, 15, and 11 o'clock, very special services. I have even more announcements. The announcements won't stop. I want to say thank you to everyone that participated in the Pancake Breakfast fundraiser yesterday. This is one of two fundraisers that helped fund our summer mission trips, and it was a great day, a great event. I know many of you were generous, and I thank you for that. I love that sausage. I think that's some of the best sausage you can get. Uh, I made my wife buy like 10 packages of it. It is really, really good stuff. And um, that is donated uh, by someone that wants to remain anonymous. But you know who you are, and I say thank you for your donation of that. It's, It's wonderful. For those of you that don't go to Sunday school, or maybe you used to go to Sunday school and you quit going to Sunday school, you have a great opportunity today. Kent Hickerson is teaching the Faith Builders class. That's my class downstairs. So if uh, you haven't been to Sunday school for a while, or maybe you quit coming when I started teaching, that's a joke, feel free to head on down and uh, really be inspired by Kent. He loves to have the opportunity to do that. I can see the smile on his face, and he would love to have you come down today at 9.30. And then the last announcement that I want to make, how many of you had the opportunity to watch the Bible on the History Channel last week? Okay, for those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, there has been a 10-part, five-week series on the Bible that has been produced by um, Roma Downing and her husband, Mark Burnett. And it is airing beginning last week, and it's going all the way up to Easter. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about this. There's been a lot of speculation about this. Is this a good thing? Is this not a good thing? My Facebook kind of blew up with people that had really negative perspectives on the documentary. And I just wanted to address it publicly this morning. Um, It by no means is a perfect portrayal of Scripture. It is not that at all. I, I can't say that. What I love the fact is that 50 million people watched 
the story of Abraham and watch the story of Moses. And tonight we'll tune in and, and look at the, the kingdom and, and the stories about inheriting the promised land and then stories about David and Solomon. It is a great opportunity for us to engage in God's Word in many ways. So if you're watching it, I encourage you to jot down any questions that you have, any um, any issues that maybe doesn't jive with Scripture. Um, again, not perfect, but I'm very, very thankful that right now in America, in American culture, many people have their antenna kind of up to the Bible in many ways. I think it's a great, great opportunity. And if you have cable, if you have satellite TV, I would encourage you to check it out. It's going to be running pretty much all month. The new episodes will air on Sunday evenings. Again, that's the Bible on the History Channel. Check that out. Well, I can't believe it, but this is it. We started way back on January 13 when the snow was flying. Actually, I don't think the snow had started flying yet on January 13th. But it was cold and uh, wintry, and we started with an overview of the great I Am, Jesus Christ, looking at the Gospel of John. And starting with that week and then the weeks that followed, we looked at Jesus, I am the bread of life. Jesus, I am the light of the world. Jesus, I am the gate. Jesus, I am the good shepherd. Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this week, we, we find his final I Am statement. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches in John chapter 15. So with that, let's dive in. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. We're going to try to figure out what did Jesus mean when he said, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. This is unique in that Jesus not only shares a statement about himself, but he looks at his followers, his disciples, and and he defines them as well. So let's dive in. God's word, John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. The word of the Lord, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. This message this morning really is a a two-part message. And in part one, I want us to just make sure we understand reality and authority within Christianity. And that won't take a lot, of, a lot of time, more than likely. For many of you, this will be major review time. But the second thing that I want to do is answer the question, how does a Christ follower stay connected with Jesus Christ, the true vine? How do we pull that out? How do we do God's will? As a branch, that's the description that's used for people that follow after Jesus Christ, what should we be doing? What should my life look like? What should be some characteristics of my faith in action? So with that, let's dive in part one, understanding reality within Christianity. And the first reality is this, Jesus Christ is the true vine. Jesus Christ is the true vine. You may say, is is there a false vine? Well, that's a great question. See, all throughout the Bible, you go through the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and, and, and you'll see this, this illustration used over and over and over again of the grapevine. And I think it was an illustration that was really in front of the people because it was real for, for their lives and their world that they lived in. So you had to have wine in the Old Testament times. Water was a huge commodity, and not all the water was clean and so if you weren't drinking wine, you had a very, very good chance of using up your water source or becoming sickened by a poor water source in many ways. So the grapevine immediately caught people's attention. And many times throughout the Old Testament, the nation of Israel is described as a vine. And what do we know about the nation of Israel? They definitely had their ups and they had their downs. They had their times that they were walking in step with the will of God their Father. But many, many more times than not, they were struggling in so many ways. They were rebelling. You you go to the book of Judges. If you watch the documentary tonight on the History Channel, you will see the Judges cycle. That's one of the areas that they're going to cover. The Judges cycle. God's people continue to sin. They walk away from Him. And they are oppressed And then they decide, this is no fun, so they cry out in repentance to the Lord, and he eventually delivers them. That plays itself out over and over and over again, not just in the book of Judges, but throughout much of the Old Testament. And so Jesus Christ here, in John chapter 15, after saying statements like, I'm the bread of life, and I'm the light of the world, and I'm the good shepherd, now he says, I am the true vine. It would have been considered by some a pretty radical statement. Now, he's sharing it with his disciples that he's closest with, those that are in regular communion and relationship with him. But it could have been considered almost blasphemy to a person that didn't consider Jesus Christ to be the one, didn't consider him to be the hope, the Messiah, the Savior. Notice he doesn't say, I'm like a vine. He doesn't say, I am a vine. He says, I am the vine, the true vine. And our takeaway this morning, what I want you to take away from this, 
is that first and foremost, understand there is one leader of this church. There is one leader of this faith, and it's Jesus Christ. Don't ever, ever make the mistake of putting your hope and your trust in a human. Ever make that mistake. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, perfect in every way. He is the true vine. Jesus Christ, I am the vine. Well, what's he say about followers of him? He says, we are the branches. He is the vine. We are the branches. And you may say, what is the significance of that? Well, I almost brought a, a, a big plant that we have today. I didn't bring it. It was pouring down rain outside. I chickened out. But I bought my wife a, a, a rubber tree plant for her birthday a year ago, which was 362 days ago. Her birthday is this Wednesday. And it is a beautiful, beautiful rubber tree. Can a tree be a plant? They call it a rubber tree plant. Anyway, it's got one branch that's just out of control. I mean, it's taller than I am. It's out of control. In fact, if I were to cut that branch at its base, it would look like a plant all of its own. What would happen if I were to, to cut that branch and plant it in just some choice, choice soil and water it every day? Would it become a beautiful, beautiful rubber tree plant of its own? You look like you don't know the answer to this. This ought to be pretty obvious. No, not at all. Because it's not connected to the roots. It would have no way to grow and to develop. Before long, it would just be one really ugly branch. One really ugly offshoot. Jesus Christ is the true vine. We are the branches. Ezekiel chapter 15, you don't have to turn there right now, but you might want to reference it later this week. In, in the book of Ezekiel, we find that there are really only two kinds of branches that exist. There's only two. The branch that bears fruit, and the branch that does not. The branch that is fruitful or the branch that is broken, unfruitful. And many people think that's what Jesus is making reference to here in John chapter 15 is Ezekiel chapter 15. And the point is this, a branch will only do you one of two purposes, bear fruit or produce fuel via the fire. A branch is only good to produce fruit or be cut down and fall off and be burned into the fire. And so I want just, as we get ready to dive into this this morning, I, I want a question to kind of be rolling through your minds this morning. Which kind of branch are you? If you were to tell the story of your life, of your faith, of your legacy as a Christ follower, could you use the word fruitful? Or does the word broken make more sense. Well, that's part one, understanding reality and authority within Christianity. And we're going to really get into what's it mean to be a branch as we look at part two, how do we stay connected to the true vine? Part two, how do we stay connected to the true vine? I don't know if you noticed when we read the scripture, if you were looking at the screen, I, I, um, I colored some of the words that really jump out at us in the text. And I think as we talk about this morning, this idea of being a branch, staying connected to the true vine, being all that we should be in God's will as a Christ follower, I want to leave you with just four words. I would love it if everyone could go home and these four words, you just got them memorized. 
You're at the Shell station tomorrow morning drinking your coffee, and you're rattling off these four words. You're in history class at the high school, and you're just rattling off these four words. Because I think they're really helpful for us as we understand how do we stay connected to the true vine. And number one is this. It's the word remain. If you don't use the NIV, the word might be abide. Remain in me. Eleven times. Eleven times in John chapter 15, we see use of this word meno. Translated by the NIV, remain. Translated by others, abide. Some, some translations use the word dwell. Some translations use the word continue. One modern paraphrase, it's not really a, a translation, but modern paraphrase uses the term set up camp. I love that. Set up camp. And the first thing that we have to understand this morning, if we want to stay connected to the true vine... We we don't want to be cut off and be an offshoot that will wither and we will die. Is that we must remain in Christ. In our text, over and over and over again, remain in me. I will remain in you. Remain in me. And for some struggling with the faith, maybe that question, which kind of branch are you, it really kind of caught you off guard. Maybe you do the self-inventory of your life and you're saying, I'm not who I want to be. I'm kind of living my life as if I have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. Maybe your takeaway today is that I will remain in Christ. I will abide. I will set up camp. And when times are good, we will rejoice. And when times are tough, I will remain in Christ. I will abide in Christ. See, it's really easy to be on fire for the Lord when life is great, isn't it? I think it's really easy to be a Christ follower when you're getting the promotion at work and when your kids are getting special uh, honors at school and when you're making more money than you've ever made before and when everything seems to be going your way. But that's not how it's going to be for all of us all the time. We're going to have the storms of life come our way. Will you remain? Will you abide? Will you set up camp and say, I am here to stay? Number one, how do we stay connected to the true vine? We remain. Secondly, the second word that just jumps out at you is the word bear. Bear fruit. And I think that's something that for For some within Christianity, they don't even know how to define what bearing fruit looks like. Maybe when I asked you today, what kind of branch are you, you weren't really even sure what I was even asking. You you thought to yourself, well, I go to church a lot. I open up my Bible at 8.45 on Sunday morning every week. That's also supposed to be a joke. You can laugh if you want to. Little Was it time change today? Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, that's right. But repeatedly in John chapter 15, Christ followers are encouraged to bear fruit. And so I want to just, i kind of brainstorming, because I know we're all at different spectrums of life. We're all at different spectrums of faith. Some of us have been in the church literally every Sunday that we've been alive. Some of us at one time were on fire for the Lord, and that fire's kind of dwindled a little bit. 
Some of us were here today in protest. We didn't want to come, and we're here anyway. So let me just give you a couple snapshots of what bearing fruit could look like. For some of you, bearing fruit might say, I'm going to commit to prayer. Every single day, moving forward, I am going to pray. I'm going to pray that God's will be done in my life, and I'm going to pray for people that are in need. For some of you, that's just an, that's an awesome place to begin. I'm going to pray every day, every morning, every evening, during the day, whatever it may be. I'm going to lock in, and whatever's happening, whatever's going on, I'm going to pray. Some of us, it's encouragement. It's lifting up and encouraging others when they are struggling. I can't speak enough of the difference that the encouragement ministries of First Christian Church make, not just in First Christian Church's life, but in the life of this community and really in all of central Illinois in many ways. I think I've shared this illustration. If I have, I apologize. Not all of you would have heard it, but I have a second cousin that um, is not living for the Lord and probably honestly never has lived for the Lord, has made just some awful life choices, and has faced the storms of life because of that in many ways. She found herself at a, at a real crossroads of, of um, you know, about as low as you can go. Her baby was um, near death at that point. She was in trouble with the law, a lot of problems. And I asked Judy Shaw, kind of almost flippantly on a Sunday morning, could the Lord-led ladies' class write Tracy? Just write her a note. Just jot her a note. Really going through a storm of life. And I didn't think anything about it. I just went on my way. I preached a sermon. I, I taught a Sunday school class. I went home and probably watched the Cubs lose that afternoon. Didn't think anything about it. Just went on with my life. And a couple days later, my mom calls. And that's not odd. I talk to my mom a lot. And she said, I don't know what you did, but that card that you wrote made all the difference in, in Tracy's world. I said, what, what, what are you talking about? I, I don't write cards. What, what, do you, what do you mean? No, that's Sunday school class. The women, they wrote a card. It made all the difference in the world. Now, I wish I could tell you that today she is on fire for Christ, studying to be a, a missionary in Zimbabwe. I can't say that. But a simple card of encouragement turned on a spiritual meter in her head and hopefully in her heart. We don't have to have a Sunday school class to do that. All of you right now could probably name a person that's struggling one way or another. Maybe it's something of their own doing. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're going through just a difficult, difficult storm of life. Will you reach out in the name of the Lord and encourage? Personal invitation. This place is going to be absolutely packed three weeks from today. All these empty pews up front, they'll all be full. And I would love to set up chairs that day. But you don't have to wait to Easter to invite someone to come to church with you. Everyone here knows someone whose life is missing Jesus Christ. And maybe bearing fruit in your life is reaching out and encouraging and inviting and saying, don't just come to church, come sit with me at church. I'm in row 17 on the end. Meet him at the door. Get him a cup of coffee at 10.30 during the fellowship time. Introduce them to people. Personal invitation. And for many of us, it's serving. It's rolling up our sleeves and saying, here I am, Lord. 
use me. Here I am. I schedule the weddings around here, and we have a process that we go through. We've got to make sure there's nothing else on the calendar, and we have to make sure the couples understand that, that we require premarital counseling and a variety of issues. And many times, the, the person on the other end of the phone, I have no idea who that is at all. And sometimes they'll say things to me like, well, I used to go to Agape Land. I used to go to youth groups. My mom used to drop me off for Sunday school. They had a connection somehow, some way, to one of our children's ministries or our youth ministries here. Planting seeds. Are all of those people going to grow up and become the next Billy Graham? No. But when you serve, you're planting seeds. You're bearing fruit. Word number one, remain. Word number two, bear. Word number three is not a politically correct word, but it's in the text, obey. Obey. When I say the word obedience, does that bring a big smile to your face? Or do you frown just a little bit on the inside? Now, I know we're at church, and we don't want to be too expressive, but most of the time when we use the word obey, you're going to obey, mister. That's not really considered a positive, is it? Kind of a negative in many ways. And yet a big part of staying connected to the true vine is living our lives in obedience. Living our lives in obedience. And there's a word that I didn't put in the mix here, but I think it's really closely connected to, uh, to verse 3 here, to, to word number 3 here. It's in verse 2. Here's what it says. It says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So let me ask you, as a Christ follower, are you willing to allow yourself to be pruned? Do we have any gardeners with us today? All right, could you come up to the stage? No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't do that to you. I don't know anything about gardening. I I, I don't, thank goodness. But um, I did read a little bit about pruning. And when do you think is the ideal time to prune? Would it be in the springtime, growing season, summertime, you know, just as hot as can be, fall? What do you think? Any any guesses? It's winter is what a lot of people say. A lot of people say it's wintertime. Late fall and winter, when you won't see that fruit. And maybe, just maybe, that's where some of you are today. You need to be pruned, spiritually speaking. You haven't committed any of the big ten sins. We're not going to read about you in the newspaper next week. But you're not where you need to be in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe it's just kind of a slow leak. And you used to be in the Word a lot, and now you're not. And you used to be committed to worship, and now you're not. You used to serve, and now it's somebody else's turn. You're not where you were at one time. And maybe the word you need to walk away with is that word obey, obedience. Get back to what matters most. Get back to practicing the spiritual disciplines. Get back to making sure that your life is a life of faith. And that the activities that you're a part of reflect your faith. It's a real challenge, I think. Living in obedience in an anything goes culture. That's tough. 
Because I have people in my life, I'm a preacher, and I have people in my life that think anything goes as A-OK. If, if it feels good, do it. If it brings you happiness, if it brings you pleasure, if you just want to do it, just do it. And Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey. Three words. Remain, bear, obey. Word number four is the word love. Love. Verse 12, Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Verse 17, he says it again, this is my command, love each other. And this might be the hardest of the four. You say, Greg, what are you talking about? Love? Love is easy. Is it? Is it easy to embody an unselfish love to broken and fallen people? If I've learned anything in 21 years of ministry, here's what I've learned. And don't be offended by this, but people can be really annoying. Christians can be really annoying. They can mean, be very well-meaning, but they can be very annoying. And if I were to ask you just to pay, pick out, pick out a, take out a piece of paper today and pick out two or three Christians in your life that annoy you for one reason or another, everyone in here would have a list. Am I right? Right? Some of you be turning the page over, right, in many ways. And Jesus says, I command you, love one another as I have loved you. So just a reminder, when that Christ father, maybe I'm that person that annoys you, love, love one another as I have loved you. Love each other. Four words, remain, bear, obey, and love. H how's your love gauge? How are you doing at loving one another? Love one another. Bottom line for this message, bottom line for this entire series, I would say, what Jesus is trying to say is, set up camp in me. Set up camp right here. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. You are the branches. So remain in me. Abide in me. Set up camp. Don't go anywhere. And so I ask you, have you set up camp in the great I am? And if not, why not? Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And Father, I thank you so much that even though we are annoying to one another at times, you never are. We never use words like that to describe you. And we're so thankful this morning that the words that come to mind when, when we think about Jesus Christ, the great I am, are words like grace and hope and truth and love. And so this morning, we thank you for Jesus Christ, your son, greatest gift we could ever receive. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It's invitation.